Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, grace and peace to you from God our Father, from our risen Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who comes to us again and again, finding us in our sin and death and removing it, removing us from it altogether so that we would have an entire life of forgiveness, mercy, and eternal life in Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, today we hear that Jesus appeared to his disciples for a third time in the Gospel of John. And as I said to the children at the children's sermon, sometimes we forget that Jesus continues to find his disciples, to come and seek us out. It's almost like we just watch for the big celebrations and we find Jesus, God's presence with us in the high points, whenever things are really exciting for us. But what we find is that we are then worshiping the excitement that we find, worshiping the celebration, rather than trusting that God is with us in Jesus Christ in the everyday mundane things of life, both in the high points, the low points, and the boring parts that come with life. Because he has promised to be here. He shows up to the disciples three times. The first time in the locked room when they are there afraid, when he releases them from their fear and gives them the gift of the Spirit. He comes back a, sec- a week later, a second time, to see Thomas, to show, them his, show him his body and his scars and to release Thomas from his doubts and worries. And here we have some time later, we're not, it doesn't say exactly when, but he comes and finds the disciples now along the Sea of Galilee. Not in Jerusalem, but they've moved on back to where it all started with Jesus. Back to the region of Galilee, back to their old lives. It's almost like all the excitement and climactic time of the death and resurrection, that holy week, has now subsided and they're just wondering what comes next. I think this is where we live most of our life as Christians. Wondering where we're going. Skipping from high point to high point and trying to get out of the doldrums and the pain of the world. I talked about this a few weeks ago when we had Transfiguration Sunday, long before, right before uh, Lent began. When the disciples, two of them are up on the mountain, they have this incredible experience where they see two men, Moses and Elijah, their clothes dazzling and they want to stay there on the mountain. But Jesus insists that they come back down into the world. That's where people are in need of hearing the good news. God calls us into worship each week in order to find us with this word, to instill it back into our ears and send us out into the world, not just with the high points and excitement of of mountaintop experiences, but into our regular old lives. Both the good, bad, ugly, boring, mundane patterns that we live in. The resurrection doesn't end just at that Sunday of Easter, but it clings to us and gives us hope and life throughout. But because we don't always feel it, we, we, we don't always experience it as some sort of a, a, a spiritual awakening, We start to go seeking for it all the time. And when we don't find it, we wonder, am I in the right place? Have I done the right things? And implicitly, we start to wonder, 
if there isn't some magic combination of our cooperation that opens up the resurrected life that Jesus has promised us. We implicitly start to trust our feelings rather than Christ's promise of resurrection. This past week in Confirmation, as is our tradition here at First Lutheran towards the end of the year, uh, we had what's called Stump the Pastor. You guys have probably heard about this a little bit. The students, the confirmation students, get to submit questions that the pastors don't get ahead of time, and then they get to pepper us with questions to see if they can stump us and make us squirm, to see if they can trick us into anything. And they do come up with some pretty good questions. Um, this week, they asked which page number uh, in the Pew Bible certain verses were on, and I'm, I'm ashamed to say that uh, Pastor Jeff and Pastor Dave didn't know them while I did. It was, a, it was a gag. It was dreamed up by Valerie. Blame her for that one. One of the questions they asked us, however, was this. Where do you go to find God? It's a pretty normal question that we ask ourselves on a regular basis. We even ask people where they go to experience God. And usually the, the answers are something like, well, I really like golfing, so I go out on the golf course. Or I like to go fishing. Or I like to do knitting. Or I like to cook. Or I'm with my family. Wherever it is that you find joy in the world, that's where you usually say, I experience God. But even to ask a question like that, is to admit that God isn't always near us and with us. That there is some place else outside of our regular mundane existence that we're supposed to go seeking to find God. And that word seeking has really taken hold of the Christian life that everybody's seeking here and there for a more spiritual existence, a more purposeful existence, a more enlightened or exuberant, joyful life. So we start to skip from high point to high point and try to ignore the mundane parts of life rather than realizing that Easter itself is the very end of our seeking after Jesus. For even through death, he comes to find you, to find you in your fear, doubt, to find you in the mundane parts of life, whether they be high points, low points, or the boring parts. He finds Peter and the disciples there along the Sea of Galilee. And what are they doing but fishing? Back to their old life, wondering, was it all for naught? What's to come next? But he comes and seeks them out and finds them. I'm always shocked that people want to go find Jesus after they read the stories of Jesus showing up to people in the Bible. Because what they think they're looking for is a more spiritualized existence, but what they find is that Jesus comes into their life and ruins all the plans that they've had, calls them out of themselves, and gives them a whole new life of hope. Just look what happened to Saul, who had all sorts of plans for what he was supposed to do. He had authority, he had a mission. He had a plan to go and find Christians and bind them and bring them back to trial. And Jesus shows up into his life and nothing is the same afterwards. Knocks him off his horse, blinds him, and sends him to Ananias. Ananias had the same problem, of course, because he was a disciple of the Lord. But when Jesus tells him, go and take care of Saul, he says, no, 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 that guy's pretty dangerous. 
I don't want to get anywhere near him. And he says, I'm not asking. You're going. He ruined Ananias' life in order to send him into the pain and suffering of the world to a person in need, to claim another brother in Christ together. It's in the mundane, boring parts of life that we live most of our existence, in our work, in our family, in our hobbies, in our community. Jesus calls us and gives us the promise of new life and sends us back into our life in order to be a Christian in the world, to speak of the resurrection and the hope given to us, to open up your life and to give it back to you without the fear and worry and doubts that hang over us. Most of the time we live our life that the Bible is some sort of a, a dark cave of a book that has, we don't know quite how to unlock it. If there's some sort of combination or way to walk through it, we read it and we say, you know, it's awfully confusing. But when you read it in light of Jesus Christ, we see that it opens up. And Martin Luther says, as you do that, you see on each and every page just promises of God opening right before your eyes. That it's not about your seeking after God. But it is that God in Jesus Christ has come to seek you in your sin in order to bring you to new life and send you into the world. And so he finds Peter there on the side of the Sea of Galilee cooking a charcoal fire just as was burning there when, G when Peter denied Jesus three times and asks him, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? driving down and down right into Peter's hurts, guilt, and pain in order to give him the unshakable word of forgiveness. See, that's how far I come to get you. There is no boundary of language or time or space that Jesus will not cross. He never gets sick of seeking after sinners, finding them and forgiving them and reminding them of the promise that you have been given new life. It doesn't have to be all celebration and pomp and circumstance for you to realize, to hear that the life of Christ has come to you so that you could have your old life back and to say, I go back into the world to do my job now with a hope that I didn't have before, to raise my family, to love my friends with a hope that I didn't have before, to be weird in the world through the pain and suffering that other people bring to you and to live your life in the freedom that, of knowing that Christ's life is always with you so that you could say with Peter, today I'm just going fishing. Amen.